page fright is recorded on the traditional unceded territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh peoples. Welcome back to Page Fright. My name is Andrew French. I'm on Twitter at the Andrew French, and this, of course, is the only literary podcast that I host. I am very excited to be back. It's been another two-week break, bringing you some poetry. Um, yeah, this show has slowly become more and more of a poetry podcast um, than a books podcast, literary podcast. Um, but I'm still going to call it that just to give myself, you know, the ability to go and talk to novelists and children's book writers and all of that as I please. But for the most part, obviously, the podcast is focused on poetry and that will continue today because today we have Conyer Clayton coming on to chat uh, about her new book, We Shed Our Skin Like Dynamite, which I am very excited to chat about. Uh, it's out now. Um, with Guernica Editions. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, I had a blast talking to Kanye as well. It was a really fun conversation. So if you are, you know, ready to listen to the rest of this episode, you are in for a treat. Um, if you're wondering who Kanye is at this point, um, I may as well tell you. <laughs> uh, Conyer Clayton was born and raised in Louisville, Kentucky, and now happily calls Ottawa home. She has, and this is not a joke, she has six chapbooks, which is crazy to me. Um, so they're called Trust Only the Beasts in the Water, which came out with Above Ground Press. Um, slash, is that the full title? How do you say that? How do you pronounce that title? I think it's just Slash. It's literally written in here as Slash, which came out with Post Ghost Press. Undergrowth, uh, which came out with Bird Buried Press. Mitosis, which came out with Inwards Magazine and Press. Uh, for the Birds, For the Humans, which came out with Battle Axe Press, and The Marshes, which came out with Ampersand Co. Collective in 2017. She released a collaborative album with Nathaniel LaRochette called If the River Stood Still in August 2018. Her work has appeared in ARC, Prairie Fire, The Fiddlehead, The Maynard, Puddles of Sky Press, and other publications. She won ARC's 2017 Diana Brebner Prize, placed third in Prairie Fire's 2017 Poetry Contest, and received honorable mention in the Fiddlehead's 2018 Poetry Prize. She is a member of the Sound Poetry Ensemble Quater Gualor and writes reviews for Canthius. We Shed Our Skin Like Dynamite, which is the topic of today's conversation, is her first full-length collection of books. Yeah, as I said, I had a blast talking with Conyer um, about this book. It touches on a lot of things that were heavy, but um, really, you know, reminded me of experiences that I've had and uh, sort of helped me to think through them in, in unique ways. And, and that means a lot to me as a reader whenever I engage with poetry at that level. Um, so, yeah, I was just thrilled to talk to Conyer, somebody who is a seasoned chapbook author and now... Uh, we have her debut full-length collection here as well. Um, so yeah, without further ado, why don't we jump right in? Here I am chatting with Conyer Clayton. Okay, so uh, I'm here again virtually today with Conyer Clayton. Conyer, how's it going? 
Good. I'm feeling really nice today. How about you? I'm actually having a good day as well. I'm pretty excited. Um, we literally just started recording, as you can tell as you're listening to this, and my neighbor has just started up his lawnmower. So Perfect. that's good news. <laughs> um, yeah, so all is going really well. Uh, today we're talking about your new book. Uh, it's called We Shed Our Skin Like Dynamite, which is an amazing title for a book that I was very <laughs> intrigued by. Um, and yeah, I did not know this, but uh, you actually have six chapbooks as well. I do, uh, yeah. Which is a crazy amount of chapbooks. <laughs> uh, that's so, so, so cool. Um, I'm a big chapbook nerd, so that excited hey, me. I, I, love that. The, I love the chapbook form. It's so good. It's very, very cool. So I want to talk about the differences between that and a full length, and we're going to get to all that. But to kick us off, for people who might not be familiar with your work, could I get you to read a poem? Sure. Um, so I am going to read uh, Tending Toward the Fall. It's easy to be led into a cave's open mouth, tongue lagging, to sit straight-backed against a slow drip. It seems obvious the colors are brighter on your back, she said, flicking bees from her sweat. Flies tread over titles like a path towards peace, gods in every season except winter. She would let them eat her skin away, gladly accept a brand new breeze, Winds hushed by the rock's sediment, a sentiment we've all failed to label. And yet, the only property that matters are thoughts bound in the open air. Very cool. Uh, I am very excited that you read that because it's one of the poems I flagged as a favorite oh, cool. book, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> I'm interested in hearing a little bit maybe behind like how you wrote this poem. What inspired it? Where mm. did it come from? Um, I wrote... This poem, uh, at the end of a, a hike that I took years and years ago, I don't remember what hike it was. I'm pretty sure it was when I was still living in Kentucky, which is where I'm from. Um, and yeah, and I had hiked and I had a book and uh, gosh, it's hard for me to pinpoint sometimes <laughs> where poems <laughs> co come from. I find that's like the hardest question to answer because I can usually give a setting but I have a hard time recreating kind of like mentally where I was um, because I really often don't understand my poems at all when I am writing them. And I really only sometimes get them years later. So I think, I, yeah, I think I was, I think I was not in a good place in my life and I was kind of ready for a big change. Um, and I think that's kind of where this poem came from, but I didn't know it then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Um, and obviously, this poem is part of the book that we're yeah. talking about today. Um, how would you ex kind of describe this project to people who haven't picked it up yet? So I'd say this book, this book is a culmination of about 10 years of work. Obviously, there's some stuff in that time frame that ended up in some of my chat books or was just kind of abandoned entirely. Um, but a lot of this stuff was written uh, in my early 20s and has a lot to do with kind of identity formation and and relationships and and addiction and alcoholism and then um, also kind of centers around my, my mom's death. So I, I view a lot of a lot of this as kind of as grieving for for loss of like the, obviously the loss of my mother, but also you know loss of a sense of self and, and of stability and kind of the ways that we, successfully and often unsuccessfully try to grapple for a kind of sense of 
transcendence for lack of a better word, maybe. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, there is a lot of the stuff you're talking about, obviously. I mean, I really, really liked these kind of threads of grief and finding sort of a self identity and stuff. And maybe, I mean, you mentioned you wrote some of these poems, you've been working on this since your early twenties. Maybe that's because I'm in my early twenties. Maybe mm. that's why it resonates with me. Um, but a lot of this stuff resonated with me and I, I was really, really interested in it. Um, but you mentioned, of course, and I mentioned off the top that um, some of this work is coming out of chapbooks too. So um, I'm interested in talking about kind of the differences there and like what went into sort of curating a full length collection of poems, having this, this great body of chapbooks built up well behind you too. Well, it's actually, it's interesting because I have those six chat books, but only one poem from my chat books ended up in this collection. Everything else is kind of, the chat books I viewed, most of them as, as very kind of self-contained little projects. Um, so, for example, Mitosis, which uh, I published in 2018 with Inwards Magazine and Press, is like one long poem. And, and another project, uh, Undergrowth with Bird Buried, also from 2018, are kind of these little prose poems based on the idea of seed packets and uh, kind of the garden, my garden that I had in Halifax in 2016 kind of speaking with me. Um, so yeah, I view them as more like these self-contained little, little blips. Because um, I don't, I am of the opinion that not everything ought to be developed into a full length uh, kind of project and some things serve are better served being short. So, hmm. so yeah, I, um, I don't actually, this, this is a completely separate project from any of my chat books. Um, and I really like it that way. I think going forward, it will be a bit different. I have some projects I'm working on now that are full lengths, but I think that they, I can draw some chat books out of them. Um, but yeah, that's just kind of how the process went for me. Uh, over the my, over the last 10 years. Yeah. Yeah, that's really cool. Um, what did you kind of find as like the difference between like, did you know you were writing a full length book when you started writing poems that went into this project? Or like, did you plan any differently than you would for if you're working on a chat book? Yeah, I, I think maybe the difference is almost a lack of, of planning because my chat books, most of them started out with a very clear either concept in mind of like, I want this to be a chat book at, of, of this theme or of this form. Um, one of them is a crown of sonnets, for example. Um, but the full length, I, it's more the fact that I just amassed all of this poetry <laughs> over 10 years and then looked back at it and was like, could see the threads and could see the kind of the arc of of my life and kind of, oh, it, it hit an end here, it peaked here, and I was able to kind of craft it together after the fact. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Um, and I want to talk about too, I mean, uh, I don't know if this is stuff that you talked about in the chat books, but um, you you talk about obviously some pretty like heavy topics in the yeah. book here. Um, it can be a lot, uh, yeah. but it, it's explored really effectively. And so I'm wondering kind of like, what mindset you have to be in to write some of these poems. It's funny, I, I have the book in my hands right now and I flipped through and the poem that came up was Amber, which is mm. uh, somewhat about, about alcoholism and, and drinking and that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and, and so, you know, there are heavy topics like this that come up throughout the book. What kind of space do you have to put yourself in to, to draw out a poem? Um, like maybe the one that I mentioned. <laughs> 
Yeah, so um, Amber was really interest, an interesting one because I actually wrote that poem reflecting on, uh, I, was, I was in my undergrad and we were reading some like Ernest Hemingway short stories and I was reflecting on his alcoholism and, oh, wow. and um, kind of the behind the scenes of, of writing for him. And at that time in my early 20s, I was very much like in the dregs of, of a drinking problem, but I wasn't aware of it. It was something that I knew in hindsight. Um, but I think, so I think that's one method was I uh, kind of a projection, <laughs> you know, exploring, exploring that topic through uh, someone else's eyes. Um, that's what I did in that poem, at least. I think I, I think a lot of these poems are written from kind of, yeah, within a struggle. And I've never had an issue with, with expressing myself when I'm like kind of inside of something. In fact, I find it really cathartic and it's one of the ways that I've always effectively dealt with hard things. So I don't really have to really make an effort to, to put myself inside of it and write it's that that's the easy part for me, actually. I think it's the, the being outside of something and reflecting back is, is what is difficult for me. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. I've, I've kind of like, I've asked that question before to people, I think we're in like episode 36 or seven. And and so like, yeah, there's been a lot of interviews now and I have come back to this question a few times and it seems to be that there's kind of two sides to answering it. It's either that it's a really cathartic experience or it's extremely difficult for people to go to this place and write about these topics. It depends Um, on the subject matter too, though, because I think there are some topics that I, that I don't address very much in this book that I'm addressing in some of my newer work that I have found quite difficult and have taken me, you know, a decade later to actually go back and write about. So I think it is like topic dependent. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. I guess it's also like a personal thing, obviously, to Mm -hmm. like what topics are going to be difficult for each person to to kind of address. Um, Yeah. It's going to be, it's going to be different. I think that like for me, the, the stuff about alcoholism and even the stuff about, you know, my mom's death, those are things that are for some reason easier for me to write about. Um, and then topics relating to like sexual assault or, um, you know, eating disorders or what things like that. I've, I've really, really struggled to ever put down on paper. Um, which I think, yeah, th- those things I think require more distance for me anyway. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Um, this seems like a really weird time to do this, but it's yeah. kind of like that time code in the episode. So I have to ask you a question from my last episode's guest. I'm ready. Um, it has nothing to do with what we've been talking about. <laughs> good little change of topic. But uh, Kevin Spence is wondering, nice. um, have you ever incorporated words from another language in your writing? How have you done it or how have you seen it done? How does it make you feel to read bilingual writing? Mm. I have not. Um, I am I am monolingual. I am an Anglophone and I, I really want to work on that. I took French, you know, I grew up in the States, so French wasn't as much of a, yeah. <laughs> a thing. And I moved to Canada when I was 25. So I, I am working on it. My partner is, is French, so I have no excuse. Um, I, I, I love reading, um, bilingual work though. And actually just yesterday, um, uh, 
Kramer. Um, I don't, I'm worried I'm going to pronounce his first name because Kramer is his nickname horribly, but he has the chat book with, with Knife Fork and a, you know, book forthcoming with uh, Gordon Hill. Um, but he actually sent me a couple poems that were in uh, Farsi and English the other day, and I loved them. So I love reading bilingual work. And I think that's something if I were to ever become bilingual, that maybe I would try, but I'm not there in my language abilities just yet. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, think I, I think I'm on the same page. I have yeah. like some very, very basic knowledge of French, but I would be way too scared to write in French uh, or oh to God, try yeah. and like use some of the words. I don't know. It terrifies me. I would butcher uh, it. I'm scared to even speak French because I just feel like I'm going to just ruin it. It's such a beautiful language. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's so difficult to do that sort of thing. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, um, it's interesting too, though. So um, one thing I am interested in talking about is the title of your book. Mm. Um, I come back to titles a lot whenever I do these interviews because I find myself to be horrible at titling my poems. Yeah. Um, and I think you are quite good at it. Thank and you. so I am interested in hearing your strategy. Um, obviously, the title of the book comes from a line in a poem. Yes. Um, and uh, that's always a good strategy. But if you're not taking a line from a poem, how do you title a poem? I, this is one of those things where I, I do find it very intuitive and so I, I'm having trouble um, giving a really great answer because I find it just kind of comes to me. But if it if it doesn't automatically just kind of come, then something that I often do is if there's lines that I've cut or bits that I've cut, I try to think about what like the what the meat of of those bits are because usually there was something there that maybe needed to be in the poem, but those lines weren't sitting right. Um, so sometimes I'll take it from that. Yeah, I think I, I'll tell you a secret though. My this title of my book, I can like not take credit for. It was a hundred percent my editor's idea. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. Um, I had a horrible title for this book at first, and I and then we agreed that it was bad, and we sat on it for a long time. We were done with the book before we had settled on the title for like a month or two, and and then she suggested Alana Wolf. She suggested this title, and at first I was like. I don't know. Like, that's pretty, like, that's a big title. <laughs> I don't know if Mike can live up to that, but it's, uh, but I love it. I'm so happy she suggested that. Um, yeah. So, so maybe I'm not as, as good at them as you think I am. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think there's something here though. I like this idea of kind of like, I, I think it, it's difficult when I first started reading poetry, uh, which admittedly was like not even that long ago. Um, I had no idea the amount of revisions that poets yeah. go through. Um, and I don't know if this is the case for other written forms because I don't really write other stuff. Um, but certainly with poetry, you cut so much of what mm -hmm. ends up being the poem so frequently. Um, and so I love this idea of kind of trying to recycle the bits that you get rid of into a title. I want to try yeah. that out. I find, I, find it really, I find it really works when you're stuck. Um, and so I think it's worth keeping those, those chunks. Cause I used to, when I deleted stuff, just delete it. And now I, I at least put it in a different file or put it on a page down just because I know that sometimes something good comes from those discarded parts. Yeah. That's so interesting. How do you, I guess like 
maybe this comes down to an editing question, which is then like, how do you filter these things out? What What is the kind of criteria for what does fit in a poem? And obviously that's going to change from poem to poem, but I still think it's a useful question. Yeah, I agree. I think that it a lot of it comes down to sound for me. I, I read my poems allowed a lot in the editing process sound is a really and rhythm i think it's more rhythm than sound honestly if if the rhythm of something is clunky or i'm tripping over it i either completely rework it or just get rid of that part um but i also find i like i like to have like a decent balance of of kind of this like sur- not surrealist maybe surrealist i don't know maybe that's the wrong word but sort of this otherworldly kind of ungrounded uh, imagery and then kind of these really stark kind of lines. And so sometimes I will veer way too far in one direction or the other direction. And so I think a lot of my editing is about kind of achieving a balance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's such a difficult balance to achieve too. It does not come easily. I don't think. Um, and I like this, like, I, I have found it very useful recently, um, the stuff I've been working on to read it out loud, which is something that I had never done before, but it kind of makes you think about things in a different way. Very Uh, much so. Yeah. It can be immensely useful. So I really like that idea. Yeah. Are you, Um, can I ask you a question? I I always am curious. I, are you someone who like, I've been thinking about line breaks a lot recently and I, some people do their line breaks very like much for for the way they read things you know they read something out loud and where they pause they put line breaks in there but for me my line breaks are so dissociated with the rhythm of the piece for the Mm -hmm. most part not always what about you do you like tie those two things together when you're great question i'm gonna recycle that question for future episodes um (laughs) yeah i i actually you you've struck on something i've been thinking about a lot lately because I read Matthew Walsh's book. I interviewed sure. Matthew recently and they, uh, I, I mentioned to them too that uh, their book kind of made me rethink line breaks because what mm. I love about their writing is that they uh, kind of end lines in a way that give it multiple meanings. Yeah, yeah. If that makes any sense. That, oh, it so totally does, yeah. I've been striving to do that in my work more than focusing on sound and rhythm in terms of line breaks. Yeah, that's um, I, I do the same thing often. Yeah. yeah, I think I think that's more where I go. But I know a lot of people that, especially if you have particularly, like if you focus a lot on the musicality of your work, then that's immensely important, right? I think it depends on the style, but it's a really good question. I'm definitely reusing that. <laughs> I also view the like the auditory, the auditory experience of a poem and the the page experience of a poem as very separate experiences and i think maybe that also depict makes yeah makes your editing different yeah yeah i mean the the reality of it too i I find it really useful to read these poems out loud when i'm working on them but um but the reality of it is most people aren't sitting at home on their couch reading poems out loud no (laughs) um so there is also this idea of okay you want to make it something where I, this is why I like the line breaks where it does add multiple meanings is because people can then go back and review it and, and get more and more out of the poem. Yeah. Um, and I find that really useful, but again, I'm just learning this stuff. I really don't know what's going on yet, but I, <laughs> I really like how Matthew does that. I thought, I thought I feel that was like cool. most people don't really know what's going on and everyone just pretends like they do and it's fine. 
I think that's one thing I'm learning as I do these interviews, actually, is yeah. that most people are like, I'll ask them a question. They'll be like, oh, I've never actually thought about that aspect of my work. And I don't think that has anything to do with the quality of my questions. I think it's more just like, as you're writing stuff, you don't think about how you're doing it. No. Um, and often it, it's difficult to pause on these things, um, yeah. which is really interesting. Um, we're talking about reading poems out loud, so we may as well do it. Um, I have sent you a link to our random poem generator. Um, All right. So I'm going to go to the mood thing? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Moods. Let's see. Ooh. Oh, it brought up sober, so I'm going to do that because that's that's kidding. (laughs) Okay. So I have, oh, this is also very soundy. All right, here we go. This is What is Poetry by Susan Holbrook, a 12-tone poem. Oh, my God, this is hard. This is going to be hard. <laughs> Trite yap show, rosy twit heap, posterity ha, a wept history, it's yop rot, a, a wisher potty, a power shitty, a whitey sport. Poetry is what whips yo tater, pets it awry, oh, Oh, twisty pear, two hearts, yip, it's paw theory. Hi, try wet soap, ear whist typo, ape with story, or what ye spit, or what yeps it, throaty wipes, or what I types. Wow. <laughs> that is what came up. That was not what I was expecting, and that was awesome. <laughs> I thought that was really cool. I mean, we've been talking a little bit about this, and so it fits that there's a poem that is so, like, musical and so focused on the sound that's really yeah. really cool i, I love really like a lot of that i love hi try wet soap that was great <laughs> <laughs> yeah very very cool poem i think it's so weird what comes up when we do these um, how is that sober also i was very that confused whatever that's fine i i have to admit i kind of lost track of the meaning of the poem as i we were same. I, I have no, I was just focused on pronouncing everything. Yeah. yeah I, which I thought you did really, I was amazed when you were doing it. I was like, wow, these are, these are crazy words. Um, very cool. Very cool poem. Um, yeah. I mean, we're talking about these things. Uh, we're talking about reading poems and, and kind of listening to them out loud too. Um, when you're editing your poems and you're reading them out loud, I guess a helpful question for people who might not know what to look for is what exactly are you looking for? when you're reading a poem out loud? what What's kind of the goal there? I'm looking for a kind of, uh, of variance of rhythm. I don't like when something kind of sustains the exact same rhythm the whole time. I find, unless you're, the effect you're looking for is this kind of like hypnotic, monotone kind of thing, um, in which case that would be extremely effective. But I think I look for kind of jolts forward like in speed and kind of accelerating and decelerating um yeah I look for kind of these opportunities of of little change within the poem yeah that's so interesting I feel like recently I've been trying to almost do the opposite and now Mm. I'm wondering why um but I like this idea yeah but maybe what your poems need is that kind of like steadiness maybe that's what they call for right now it's true. It, this obviously will will depend on the writer, um, yeah. but but it's interesting too. I like the idea of kind of shaking up um, what your reader is getting used to as they're reading, uh, and kind of causing them to think more about what's going on within the line. Mm-hmm. Um, this is very neat. 
we're getting really into the nitty gritty details of poetry. Uh, but it's I like it. Yeah. Uh, yeah, very cool. Uh, I guess you've got, obviously, we've talked about six chapbooks uh, yeah. and now a full length collection as well. Um, are you writing outside of poetry as well? Or are you mainly focused on, on verse right now? Um, I'm doing a few different things. Like I write, I write reviews here and there. Um, I am writing two projects that are one that is definitely prose poems. That's like almost reaching full length length. I have another one, um, that I am tentatively calling tenement. That is kind of a hybrid thing. That's, you could call them prose poems, but you could call them like flash fiction, but there also has, there's a narrative sort of narrative arc that goes between the whole collection. So you could call it like a short story novel thing. I don't even know what it is, but it's, um, <laughs> it's, it's a hybrid form. We'll just say that, I guess. <laughs> and uh, I, so I've been working on that a lot. And, and in addition to, um, I have a couple other chat books. One that I'm going to say here for the first time, this hasn't been like announced yet, but uh, Manahil Bandukwala and I have a chat book forthcoming now with Collusion Books out of uh, No way. So I'm really, really excited about that. It's called Sprawl. And I love working with Manahil. She's a very good friend of mine. And I love her writing. And I'm really honored to have this, yeah, this chapbook coming out with her. I'm really excited. That is so exciting. Wow, this is an exclusive. <laughs> uh, I'm so excited. That's so cool. I have, um, my first chapbook is coming out of London as well. Um, and I know Andy somewhat from Collusion yeah. Book, and he is the sweetest person. So He's this is so, so cool. nice. He's very so exciting. nice. Yeah. Very exciting. Okay, well, well there you go. No, that's a big deal. Yeah, we're going up to we're going up to seven chat books now. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. Well, very very cool. Um, so you're then this is interesting, and I'm interested if you're unfamiliar with Collusion Books, um, they're working on basically putting writers um, together to work on these projects or writers coming together on their own to work on projects together. Mm-hmm. Um, they're not kind of individual projects. They're collaborative. Yeah. Um, so this is a, this leads to a whole new set of questions, which is kind of like, what is it like to work on a collaborative project? Uh, I think it's really different every time. I, I hadn't done it a ton um, until the pandemic hit and Manahil and I wrote, um, we wrote this chat book in a week in March together. We just wow. forth and we just went at it and it was, but it was so natural. Manahil and I know each other very well and we've worked on multiple projects together in the past. So I think it was a pretty natural evolution of our kind of, of our collusions together. And, um, uh, but I also, so I also am a part of a collective called Seven, um, and we are continually writing work together. Um, and we we actually have a chat book that uh, is put together right now. And yeah, it's it's an interesting one because there are seven of us, and so we kind of the the difference for me between collaborative work and writing by yourself is that <laughs> there's less there's less pressure. So I would say it's like, it's easier on the one hand in that you get so much, you get a lot of more fresh imagery and, and subject matter that you would have never, never written yourself. But then there's, it's also more difficult in that then in the editing process, 
you know, everyone has different different preferences. Like sometimes we get into a little bit of a tough spot with like an ellipses. We're like, I do not like ellipses. <laughs> and then like someone else really likes it. And so sometimes you just have to like, okay, who cares more <laughs> about this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think, um, yeah, it's simultaneously easier in the actual creation, but then diff- more difficult in editing, I would say. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. I've never done it. So that's so cool. It's really, um, it's really fun. We'll have to have both you and Manahil on the podcast when the chapbook comes out. That would be we awesome. Can, uh, we can do like a, I'll have more than one person in an interview for the first time. That would be That'd exciting. Be cool. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, we are sadly approaching the end of the episode, which means I need to ask you to ask a question to my next episode. Okay, okay so whoever you are, here's my question. Uh, What is a piece of yours that you're the most proud of or that you feel like should have garnered more attention than it did? Ooh, that's a really good question. (laughs) Um, I do this mean thing now where I turn it around and ask you. Um, Yeah, so what piece of yours (laughs) that you're really proud of uh, maybe didn't get enough attention or or the attention you expected? I don't know if it, it, it's not for, this isn't about expectation, but I think that project mitosis and i released it along with an album called if the river stood still which um was a collaborative project with my partner nathaniel irochette um so the chat book mitosis came out and then i also released this album that has seven poems with music and mitosis is one of them it's like a 10 minute song poem and i'm really really proud of that album and it's just up on Bandcamp, and i didn't really have any expectations of it but it is definitely the thing i'm most proud of and that like I hope people will, you know, over the years continue to listen to. So, yeah. Interesting. Go check that out. I will find <laughs> it and put a link below the episode <laughs> so people can check that out. You you have to go look. Um, this is so, so cool. Thank you so much for chatting with me today. Yeah, this um, has been really fun. Thank you so much for asking me to come. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, so the last thing we have to do is send us off with one more piece. Would you be able to read us one more? I will. Um, So I'm going to read Recurrent, which is a bit of a, it's a longer piece. So just FYI. Cool. Okay. So this is Recurrent. If the river stood still, it would become a mountain built on the backs of mallard and trout. Their bodies etched in stone. We dig them out and blow the dust off. Rebuild their existence in code digital preening, virtually nesting in the shade by the bushes. Gliding on invisible currents, we transmit to one another every moment of our lives. We cut it back for aesthetics, but it will always grow. We always come back, despite the butchering. Flowers mimic bugs, mimic branches, mimic branches, mimic bugs. Design isn't so different, my skin spotting in the sun so I can sink into the sand and wooded places. The edges we use most often harden and yellow. We too can run on stone. We too migrate over oceans, go south for winter, hunker down and hibernate. We too call out desperately for mates, pray our voices rise over the din of engines and radios and seeds spiraling through the air. We hold tight to the backs of butterflies to be carried somewhere fertile and stable where our needs will be fulfilled. We welcome the dark, thriving worms 
leave them under our nails. The sheen of river feathers, a crackling exoskeleton, the lichen children scrape and drop, the ground it all comes back to. We cannot escape the rushing water. Scales skillfully sweep the surface, break the tension, a wooden spoon laid over a boiling pot. We touch the surface, press our palms down to release the excess, count backward from 10, nine, eight, seven, six, five. Stop halfway because we know the ending. It dumps out somewhere, an aqueduct or a colander, headlong waterfall, sharp turn, sharp breath, collect hair from the drain pipe, the inevitable footpath tread next to concrete. Our bones crave softness. We are worn down layer by layer. No need to relay this message. We will hear it no matter what, the subtle budding despite months of ice. We want to be wind weathered, but soft to touch. A mountain pulled apart by shifting plates, slowly becoming a river again. Very cool. Uh, thank, you. thank you. Thank you so much, Kanye, for chatting with me today. Guys, the book is called We Shed Our Skin Like Dynamite. There's a link below the episode. You should definitely check it out. Um, thanks again, Kanye. This is really cool. Thank you. So there you have it. That was me chatting with Conyer Clayton. The book, again, is We Shed Our Skin Like Dynamite. It's out now with Guernica Editions. Go check it out. There's a link in the description of this episode. Um, thank you to Conyer. I, I really had fun sitting down and doing this interview. I remember it now. Uh, it was almost two weeks ago that I did this, and today I'm putting the episode out. So that's kind of give you a bit of a behind-the-scenes timeline there. Um, but I really enjoyed this conversation. I've actually been thinking it all, about it a lot um, since we talked because Conyers is involved in so many different sort of modes of, of art. And it is really interesting to me to think of how her poetry intersects with other sort of media. And, and so there's a lot going on in my head um, revolving around Conyers' work. Um, and so it meant a lot for me to be able to sit down and chat with her, albeit virtually. Um, if you like what I'm doing here, super easy to make this official. All you have to do is subscribe to the show. Uh, you can do that on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, um, whatever podcast app you're using. There's usually a way to subscribe. Spotify, I know you can. Um, and you can also leave reviews in most of these apps. So go ahead and do that. It helps people find the show and more importantly, through the show, get to know the work of the people that I'm interviewing. Um, that's really the goal here is to amplify their voices and allow them the chance to share their work. Um, so that means a lot that, you know, people leave these reviews. And of course, it means the world to me that you are listening right now. So thank you, thank you, thank you for tuning in for another, I guess, bi-weekly episode. Um, there will be another episode. It will be in two weeks. It will be episode 38. I am thrilled about it and thrilled by the person that I have lined up to interview. Hopefully that goes through all smoothly and we'll be able to put the episode out. Really looking forward to being back in a couple of weeks. Um, but for now, my name is Andrew French. I'm on Twitter at the Andrew French. You can listen to more of this show at anchor.fm slash or at theandrewfrench.com. But for now, guys, have a great two weeks. This has been Page Fright. <laughs>